Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren on 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. All right, welcome back into the House of Mystery. And of course, I'm Al Warren, the important one, and the unimportant one is over, <laughs> over there, and that's David Rose Martini. Oh, we're back to oh now it's Rose Martini okay yeah I'm 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 switching it up I I almost think that sounds better it's kind of like the old classic '60s singer you know yeah well I'm in a good mood because it's 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 you know what month it is now hey it's October <laughs> it's always gonna be gotta do a October now it's the only thing that I um well you know I'm really I went up to the store because, you know, the beginning of October, it's always exciting because Count Choculus cereal comes out. It does. Yeah, and it's just limited. But, you know, I'm really upset. They've decided that they're going to put it, they put it all together. So now it's a monster mash, they call it. And they've got Boo Berry, Frankenberry, and Count Chocolate all mixed in the same box. Yeah. I mean, how rude. That doesn't sound very good. I'm going to try a bowl of it later today, oh, no. and if it doesn't work out, they're going to hear about it from me, you know. <laughs> and now, do you hear Starbucks has decided not to do eggnog lattes or gingerbread lattes this Christmas? Really? I, you know, no wonder people get guns. <laughs> I tell you, it's just, they're ruining my favorite month, because you know it's all about me. It is. <sighs> anyway. Well, on to the <laughs> on to the important stuff. We've got uh, a writer today, and she's got a new book out. I believe it's a new book out. We'll find out. It, the book is called Catalyst, Heart of the Inferno, Book One, and uh, the author is the guest, 
Nicole Fanning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> well, we'll see you at the end of the show. No. <laughs> yeah. Already off to a great start. Yeah, you're still already. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, but some certain things bother me. I have to bring it up because what am I going to do with Monster Mash cereal? <laughs> I mean, you could separate them all out if that was really important. Oh, I don't have enough time. How could I do that? That's terrible. But why would they do that? Why? Why? <laughs> anyway. anyway, so that doesn't matter. And no more, no gingerbread lattes. I'd say. How am I supposed to get through recording guests like you <laughs> without my latte? Who's drinking Starbucks at this moment? Yeah. Well, I see. That's what, you know, okay. So this is, it's really unfair. Really unfair. <laughs> you know, anyway, another day. Um, so I, I, I'd imagine that now, so to me, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm thinking, what got you into writing? So you've got, um, I see two books, but this is book one. Um, so Ignite was is a different book, or maybe explain this to me. So, yes, Ignite is the continuation of the story. Um, it's the second book in the trilogy. Um, and what got me into writing is I, I grew up in a neighborhood that didn't have a lot of kids. So ever since I was a young kid, I used to entertain myself by building these elaborate worlds in my head um, and just putting them on paper. And I had a few friends that kind of did the same. So it became like a regular thing for me from a very young age to write these stories. And at the time, I, I'm going to just completely embarrass myself here, which I'm sure sounds great on your show. Um, but I was obsessed <laughs> with the A-team and like the old school A-team, and I would write my own episodes, um, even though they had stopped filming and producing the show before I was born. Um, and I would still write my own episodes, and my mother would send them to the producers, um, which she never did. She just filed them in a trunk for me to read later and cringe <laughs> the entire time. But I really just started it as a way to... Um, you know, express what I had going on in my head and to enjoy myself. And it kind of always continued. And, you know, when the pandemic happened and we were all at home and trying to find things to do so that, you know, we didn't, you know, take out our spouses or, you know, set the house on fire. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm going to do something with this. I have this idea in my head and I'm going to see where it goes. And I kind of wanted that combination between like a, a thriller uh, suspense novel, like, and also, you know, to have that romance aspect too. But it, so it's kind of a combination of both of those. Well, that's an interesting thought. So, so did you did you seek psychological help for that kind of growing up? <laughs> <laughs> I I did not. Um, I think my parents thought that the the psychological help of just writing it out would be good enough for me. Um, but maybe they didn't quite comprehend the traumatizing effect of thinking that I have a connection to the producers of the A-Team that are reading all of my episodes and they're just taking a really long time to produce them. Like, never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll be hunting down, uh, what's that, Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Barakas. Oh, there you go. See, you're, you're right in there. Uh, but, but, you know, so if you grew up with a completely in a fantastic world like that, um, and I use that as the old saying from my day. 
Um, how do how do you decide what's real and what's not? Um, and especially in your books. When you say what's real, do you mean like the world that I'm creating? Yeah. Yeah. Like how how far can you go? I guess is what I'm saying. Like how how do you decide on the perimeters? Because you're saying okay, so I kind of just create all these stories, like episodes for a team, and you're doing this kind of in the book. Right. Um, so where do you draw the line? So I would say that it all goes back to relatability. I mean, your readers are going to connect with a story that they find relatable. So, you know, your more fantasy authors know, you know, who they are marketing to. So they know that they can create those bigger worlds. I chose to go with a realistic setting of, you know, this is just what's happening around us. So our main character is in the mafia. He is a sixth or seventh, I think, generational mafia Don. So his family has basically ruled the underworld of crime. And the way that I chose to set up, you know, how that works in our world is just that the mafia Dons that are in this world are managing a level of crime and what he calls chaos to kind of keep everything in balance. So he calls it an ecosystem. So, you know, you have your government officials and your mayors and your senators and they, you know, need to obviously keep a cap on crime, but they also need to keep some level of crime so that they can keep their, you know, rehab programs and their police force and all their other things. So it kind of is like a necessary evil in our world. And so they have this very close relationship with the government. And the way that the mafia functions is they don't really take a stance on the morality of things. They just think that as a human being, you should have access to whatever you want and what your government refuses to provide because they've decided you're not capable of making that decision yourself. They're going to provide and they're going to make a profit off of it. Um, so they kind of also manage the underworld. So you have some people that are just out there to see the world burn they could cause a lot of chaos, and then that mayor who's in charge of the city would look like he's not really keeping things under control. So it's up to our Mafia Don, our main character, to make sure that that gets taken care of quietly and, you know, that there is a manageable level of chaos. So he kind of describes it as that ecosystem, like predator and prey. It's rather well developed in your mind and when you say it. So or you aren't one of those conspiracy people, eh? Like you're not, you know, like running around with no mask and saying that COVID is fake and all that, are you? Oh, no, we're not. We're okay. not on that track. No. <laughs> well, I, no, do, just, I yeah. will say, however, that I have some of those people in my family and that, yes, they did kind of give me some ideas for this um, <laughs> with some of their wild theories. Um but they're not, you know, they're not big fans yeah. of my book. <laughs> so here you are sitting at home and where, where, so where does this come from in your head? Does this, do you have to, are you in a certain place? Are you driving and ideas come to you? Or are you like, where, where does it come to you? These, these creative ideas? I, I would say a lot of my ideas actually come to me while I'm driving. Uh, and I do it as a way to distract myself because I am, I'm not a happy driver. I, I am, that's the nicest way to put it. I don't like other drivers. <laughs> um, and so while I'm just distracting myself in traffic, just kind of thinking about, you know, what could be going on, you know, behind the scenes. 
and how that could be interesting for a reader to read about. And wanted to kind of keep it very, again, relatable to someone where they could be like, okay, yeah, I could see that this, you know, whole underworld of crime would be existing right under our noses and we wouldn't know anything about it because the right people are in charge of keeping that on the down low. Um, But yeah, just, I mean, really, I'll be folding laundry and I'll be imagining a fight scene with my mafia Don and, you know, petting my dog and thinking about, you know, some, some dangerous deal that the two Dons are dealing between them. And yeah, just, it literally just kind of comes to you as a way of escapism to some extent. So do you take the people that you don't like driving around and you turn them into characters that you kill off? Um, well, since I don't know most of them on the road personally, I wouldn't say no, but I mean, I can definitely, you know, maybe imagine (laughs) one or two. You've got a husband, right? Is is he okay? Yes. He's all right. Um, you know, I have him with cue cards in the other room if I need to, you know, make sure that everybody knows he's okay. Um, Proof of life. (laughs) Right. He's full of life and very supportive. No. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if you can put put him on the camera, and I'll say, you know, if he's if he blink can just twice. hold a finger up, let us know. Right, that, you know, you're in danger. Blink twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you need help, just um, wow, that's crazy. No, okay, so that's that's okay. Let's say that's the creative part. It comes to you when you're folding laundry, when you're beating your husband, whatever. <laughs> But <laughs> but how, what's the craft part? Because everybody, uh, when we get these ideas, different people say, you know, it's from whatever, a muse, or it's, they have, everybody has a different inspiration, let's say. But what do you do? What, what part of crafting is the most important to you of, of taking that idea and turning it into a book? I, I call, so I call that my skeleton. Um, I am a neurodivergent writer. Um, so, I like to kind of write based on mood or, you know, kind of all over the place. Again, like if I'm driving home and I'm having a really bad time in traffic, I might have that fight scene in my head. However, you know, after spending time with my friends and being in a great mood or, you know, getting some love from my husband, I might be in more of the romantic mood and want to write one of those scenes. So what I do before I write any story and before I wrote this entire trilogy was I actually sat down and wrote out the entire skeleton or the spine of all three books. So I knew what each chapter in each of the three books was going to be. Um, But I still had that ability to creatively direct how that chapter, how that action came into be, you know, around that chapter. Um, But that allowed me to, again, like I could write one through seven, chapters one through seven, and then decide, oh, I really feel like, you know, I, I have chapter 13 in my head and I could go write that chapter and, you know, then go back to kind of fill in the spots that are missing as needed. Um, but so for me to be able to have that flexibility and not feel like, oh, I have to write chapter eight. And that's the scene where everybody's being nice to each other. And I don't feel like being nice today. So that kind of thing, it, it takes that away and it allows it to be that escape that like, oh, I'm really feeling this. So I'm going to write this today. Um, but then also still have that plot in the background, which was really important to me, too. I I wanted there to be an actual plot. I wanted it to be that more of a thriller-type story, you know, with the romance as, like, an umbrella that's sprinkled on top and not the other way around. So when you have something like that, you really do have to invest in what's happening in each chapter and where the story's going 
if you want to have those aha moments with your readers. So I would say that for me, the skeleton, the spine, knowing exactly, you know, like where you want it to end, the, the who done it, you know, how are we going to find the bad guy? Who is the bad guy? You know, there's a lot of questions that are in the books and I like my reader having to ask those questions and then secretly like chuckling to myself, knowing like they have no idea what's coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I would say the skeleton and the spine are the most important um, for me as a writer. Well, do you have an inner monologue when you're writing? Can, um, do you hear your characters? Do you hear the prose? Um, I know when I write, I hear voices, but I'm kind of strange. But uh, oh, I'm a hundred percent. Or is it yes? And I a hundred percent hear my characters. Um, what all the other thing I started with when I started writing was I wrote what I called the character bible, um, where I have a lot of ethnically diverse, personality diverse characters as well. And so I hear all their different voices and I wanted them to each have a very unique voice. So when I hear a conversation, there were sometimes that I'd be writing, um, you know, one of the bodyguards is Haitian and I'd be writing for him and I'd be like, you know, what, this really doesn't sound like him and I'd have to take a second look at it. But I could actually hear those people talking in my head. So I would say I'm, I'm equally weird. I'm with you, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but he hears voices no matter writing or not. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you never want to meet him alone, I'll tell you. <laughs> just, I'm just warning you now, just, you know, no. Uh, always have an excuse. Um, but but, but where, So where did your main character come from? Like, uh, that's uh, Jackson Pace, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Uh, wh who is Jackson Pace then, and where where does he come from for you so i i was kind of influenced by two main sources i i liked there was that mafia romance uh that was 365 days it's on netflix um so he's a bit of that character but that character in that story ends up kidnapping our main character and then giving her 365 days to fall in love with him and i was like i like that but like it's a little stockholmy for me I don't really want to do that either. So I also kind of pulled from this resource of that old, I don't know if it's old, I'll take that back, uh, Peaky Blinders. It's a TV show in the UK um, that's also on Netflix. And they kind of have a very similar mafia setup where they are, you know, a necessary part of society. Um, and they're good, bad guys. That's kind of my main character as well. He he is definitely a, a violent scary, dangerous man. He's not afraid to kill people. Um, he's not afraid to exact justice. And, you know, if you lay a finger on his lady, the, you're going to lose the finger. Um, but he's also, and he's not interested in saving the world either. He's very much just like, I care about my people and no one else. Like either you're in his little group of people he cares about and everyone else can, you know, pound sand. So, but he's, he's kind of a, a combination of that, that Don from 365 Days and also the leader of Peaky Blinders, um, Tommy Shelby. Where do you draw from to get uh, added parts to your character? So, like, you, do you actually, um, like, in the scenarios, do you dress up like your characters and act out these sort of things? <laughs> like, like, some people do, I'm, you know. So, I do not, um, although I think my husband would appreciate it if I did for some of the steamier scenes. 
Um, yeah, I think he'd he be wants down. you to dress up like Jackson. And not as Jackson, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just you know. Um, but for inspiration, I I think that there's so many interesting things that just happen in life in general, and it's kind of like if you took an ordinary interaction and then you know boosted it up with some steroids and amped it up ten notches. So a lot of the interactions that happen are everyday interactions. Just a little bit more drama, dramatized, dramatized. Don't ask me. I'm the speaker for living. Yeah, so. I'm the writer. I'm supposed to know what you're writing, <laughs> but um, you know, they're romanticized a lot more, and so it's it's everyday, ordinary interactions that are just given that twist of flair kind of thing. But no, no, no cosplay has happened thus far. Um, but maybe <laughs> oh. ask me after book three. Maybe there'll be some yeah. cosplay for book three. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll like, you know, I could see your husband with Jake Jackson. That could be good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty complicated story in a sense. Not, well, you know what I mean? It's very complex. There's a lot of parts going on here. Yep. Um, so you've got a lot of parts going on, and it's, but you seem to, um, have it down in your head about, you know, the uh, the bad guys doing things. Like, you kind of have it all organized uh, of how you, why things are happening. Yes. So, but under all of that, is there some sort of a message? Like, when you, when you say you've got all three books planned out and you've kind of got this all together and you know what's going to happen and where it's going, is there a reason for what goes on in the story? Absolutely. Um, I would say there's several reasons. Uh, on the, you know, just general front, I would say that, you know, there's a line that one of the characters, that Jackson says to the main female character where he's like, nobody is complete black and white. Like, nobody's 100% bad and nobody's 100% good. You know, we we each have light and dark inside of us. And, you know, based on the situations we're put in, we have sometimes have to make that split-second decision that could, you know, mean life or death for us. And he's kind of just educating her on, like, the world is a lot more complex than these black and white decisions that we tend to say, like, you're either good or you're bad. Um, I love morally gray characters because I think in real life that we all are light and dark, too. Um, my husband jokes that I'm a black rainbow because... He's like, you can be so loving and so sweet. And then, like, you know, you can be in traffic and have, like, scary road rage and yelling. And um, he's like, it's just so funny that there's these parallels. And I'm like, I think that's everybody, uh, you know. And if not, I'll just muscle it out of you. But uh, the I think the other messages that are there are, even though Jackson is this, like, bad guy and he does bad things, he also just treats the main character, the female character, with, like, the utmost respect. So there is definitely some this is the respect and, and honor that can be in a relationship, but you can still have that, like, fun playtime, you know, wink-wink stuff, but while still respecting the other person. Um, so I did want it to have, like, those healthy um, aspects to it, too, so there's a lot of like hidden morality lessons in there. And there's some really good lessons on forgiveness and just, you know, not holding on to those grudges because it benefits no one. Um, but those would be the main three. I think that, you know, we're not either just completely good or completely bad. Um, life is more complex than that. You know, that you can have a relationship that has all those kinds of dynamics, but also is respectful and, you know, um, sweet in that sense. 
and also that you got to. Oh, my. So. Now, you say Catalyst. Uh, you mentioned this. Isn't your grandmother's uh, romance novel? Uh, what do you mean by that? I would say that it's. Um, so, Catalyst is more of a slow burn. So, it takes several chapters for the characters to actually um, get together, if you know what I mean. Um, but when they do, it's pretty incendiary. So it, it's it's pretty graphic when that scene takes place. But at that point, I have made my readers, you know, read two-thirds of the novel, so we're not doing any fade to black here. Um, we're going to give them what they came for. Um, and so in that sense, it and there is, again, he's in the mafia, so he has some violent... Uh, dangerous tendencies and he's got to take care of business and he's got to be a Don sometimes. So some of those scenes are described um, with maybe a little bit more detail than my sweet grandmother would want to (laughs) read. Um, Now Ignite, on the other hand, I will say that in that book, it's the continuation of the story. The couple has been together. um, Whereas like in Catalyst, they are getting, they're getting off to a start. They're getting to know each other. And so they're kind of in that beginning stage. So Ignite kind of kicks off with, a bang of some spice, as we say in the romance world, right away, um, and kind of keeps that pace throughout the book. Uh, but there is, you know, just that whole mystery plot that's happening in the background of, you know, who's after them, why are they after them, what's going to happen next, um, and that kind of thing as well. But I, I would say it's probably not my grandma's romance novel because she's she's too sweet. I mean, she bought it because, you know, her granddaughter wrote it, but she's like, I'm not going to read it. And I'm like, I don't want you to read it. <laughs> well, you'd be, Please don't read you it. You never know. You'd be surprised. <laughs> no. Granny might be. A- I don't want to get written out of the will. <laughs> oh, there we go. Now we're getting to it. No, I mean, but Granny's probably at the uh, Rolling Stone concert. Come on. Uh, maybe my one grandma, not the other one. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be surprised. It's the innocent ones. Catalyst actually decide that you could write something and actually publish it. You know? Yeah. Um, well, I had kind of followed a few self-independent authors that had, had done it themselves. And I just kind of felt like the story was such a great story that I wanted to see what could go out there. And also, you know, you only live once. And I would love it. It was kind of the same idea as why I didn't use a pen name was I would love it if long after I'm gone, um, somebody picks up my book and reads the story and, you know, has this experience or learns a lesson or, you know, maybe just enjoys themselves uh, with my name on the cover. So it was really just one of those I, as a child, always wanted to see that happen. And then as an adult, you know, with that hard work, with that dedication, with that, you know, commitment to writing, you can actually see those dreams become a reality. And that was something that was really important to me. Well, what do you hope people get out of your books then? So if if, if someone picks up both these books and reads them, other than the actual story, what do you want them to take away? I would say, uh, again, like just the the scattered morality lessons that are in them. You know, I, I'd love it if they just had a little bit of escapism. I know that, you know, some of the fictional stuff that I've read in the past, whether it was, you know, darker thriller stuff or it was more fantasy Harry Potter stuff, it just gave you that escapism and that ability to, you know, leave real life, which can be a little bit daunting at times, and just go escape for a few hours and 
find some sort of happiness in this, you know, fictional world. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But... Again, like there are some morality lessons that are labeled there. So I would hope that they would see that, again, we're not all just one. We're not all one category. We're very complex creatures as human beings. Um, And to just give each other a little bit of slack, Um, you know, to be forgiving, to, you know, be respectful and, uh, you know, sweet to the people that we love and take care of them. And, you know, knowing that they'll take care of us in return. Um, and also to just go after that, whatever that is that sets your heart on fire. So that's what I would hope they take from my books. So what do you, what do you, are you going to stick to this type of, uh, writing or are you going to go to different, different classes of writing, different, uh, genres, they call it, uh, what, what's kind of your plan? So right now I'm kind of on this boat. Um, so there's three books in this trilogy, but there are 12 books total planned for what I'm calling my mafia verse. So like instead of a universe or a Marvel verse or, uh, you know, it's a mafia verse. Um, and there's 12 books planned for that, that series. And some of them will, you know, Catalyst and Ignite are pretty chonky books. They're pretty big. They're, they're big girls. 
Uh, but the other books will be a little bit smaller and they'll, you know, have a different tone as well. Cause again, they're going to feature some of our side characters in Catalyst and Ignite as the main characters in these other books. So they'll have a different tone. They'll have a different message. They'll have different things, but it'll still all be interconnected. So I think I'm, I'm on this train for the next 12 books, but I do have, uh, plans for an actual, like, like dark thriller that I'd like to write. Um, and then I also have some young adult stuff that I'd like to write as well um, that, you know, I would not recommend any young adults read my mafia books. Um, <laughs> oh, come not on. until you're 18 or older. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, actually, um, well, then what? where do you get your influences from? Like you, you're into the Sopranos and things like that. I guess there's that new Soprano movie coming out, isn't that? I think that's yeah. I I always I I don't know. I've always kind of had a thing for for the the bad guys. Um, even my mom used to laugh at me because as a kid I watched the Brave Little Toaster and I didn't care at all about the toaster. I was more focused on the grumpy vacuum cleaner, um, and that was the one I focused on. So I've kind of always been drawn to like the bad guys, like the story, the villain. Um, you know, like what's their what's their their story. Um, and I just, I find that fascinating because I, I really do think that, you know, your villains aren't, they don't just appear overnight. You know, they, they have a story too. And we've seen it done with a lot of, you know, uh, contemporary romances and music and uh, videos that are popular now where we get the backstory of a popular villain, whether that's the Joker and Batman or, or um, you know, something else. But there's always that story that's behind it. And I think that's what always fascinated me so i i do tend to like a little bit darker stuff than even my husband likes um i like the scary stuff i like everything from alien to like your paranormal stuff and my husband's like i don't want to watch that that doesn't interest me at all uh so it's funny because we're, we are polar opposites in that sense but for some reason i just kind of always loved the the old school even the uk british gangs and then like gangs of new york and you know, your stories of your old school mafia guys in Chicago and stuff like that. So it's just always fascinating to me. I'm wondering, has a character ever done anything to surprise you? Have they, you know, refused to do something? Have they just shown up or, or just gone off the rails? So I've had this question before, and I would say it's kind of. Um, I am more of a plotter. So again, like I write that whole thing. I have it all mapped out. But I have had like a scene that, I never imagined taking place um, kind of as I, let's say, for example, I had written chapters one through seven and I'm working on 13 and then I go back and I'm on eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12. And that, that in-between moment, sometimes there's a scene that just kind of like comes out of what I feel a character would say or do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this would just fit so well. It's been kind of amazing in that sense that some of my favorite scenes were from the chapters I was putting off until the very end because I was like, I don't want to write this. This is just boring or, you know, it's it's meaningless stuff and it didn't end up being that way. Um, so I've had them kind of more so in conversation and sometimes in a scene, but never like they went off the rails and I had to go fetch them and, and bring them back because... Um, I'm kind of a control freak in that sense. So I've controlled it enough that they may go off the rails a little bit in the little realm that I've created for them, but not so much that I 
have lost myself and now I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to finish this book because the character has just gone off the deep end. Um, but a few characters have, I've seen some more depth than even I imagined for them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that just tracks, that just fits with, you know, their, their character. So for sure, I would say that I allow them enough room that they can grow and expand, but I definitely have a clear picture of exactly where I want it to go, especially since a lot of these characters are going to become bigger deals in the novels to come. So there's that groundwork that's being laid sometimes is a little bit surprising, but also like, okay, you can play in this little area that I've given you, but you know, you're not setting a foot outside of that. (laughs) You see, Dave, she wears the pants. She's the man. She's in control here. Not like you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, You know, admittedly. Yes. But with such, um, so where do you, what do your characters mean to you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, because I get a lot of guests that will say they're like my children, they're like my family, they're like, they'll have these comments about their characters. Um, do you have that same relationship or is it something different for you? Um, I'd say it's a little bit different for me. I don't see them as my children. I kind of see them as... Like, and I've had people say, like, oh, your your main female character, is that, you know, a, a representation of you? And I would say no, because, you know, there are parts of her that are a representation of me, but she was a combination of several different people that were influencing me. Um, and also, you know, some traits and some things that I want to be. Um, and also with some of the other characters, like, who I want them to be, too. So... They're kind of like, I don't know. They're like extended family that you like because you don't spend lots of time with them. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say if they're related to me, that's probably how. They're like, you know, those that combination of your favorite friends and family members, and you don't see them that often, but when you do, you immediately pick up it right where you left off with them. Well, how long does it take you to write one of these chunky girls, as you call them? So, uh, Catalyst was my first, and I had kind of just started it as a a hobby, like this is just something I'm going to do to pass time while we're all trapped in the house. Um, And that one took me, Catalyst is about 154,000 words, and that one took me eight months. Um, However, Catalyst ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, and I knew that fans of Catalyst would uh, find me and, you know, threaten me if I didn't get the second one out pretty quick. So the second one is actually 190,000 words. So it's, you know, nearly a quarter bigger and it took me four months. So it took half the time, but that was at a point that I had established a regular writing habit. So there'd be days that I would, you know, sit down and I would look up and it would be four o'clock in the morning. So after a full day of work, I would sit down at six o'clock and write until four in the morning and I'd write 8,000 words. But then there'd be days that I would just not be in the mood, but still make myself write and I'd get like a thousand words. So my husband actually did the math on it at one point and he said that, you know, over the last year, because Catalyst took eight months, Ignite took four months, over the last year, it meant that every single day I was at least writing 2,000 words a day. Um, But I would say, like, even with Ignite, I didn't feel like I went at it as hard as I possibly could. I felt like I went at it pretty good. Like, if it was a race, I'd still be the one jogging, not, you know, running, not sprinting. (laughs) So, yeah, 
it's kind of amazing that it, it was bigger and took half the time. It was insane. Well, after writing, um, do you, like in between books, do you have a way to uh, recharge or relax? Do you take time off or uh, do you just plow into the next book? So I was instructed by several of my author friends that you are really supposed to take a break off between <laughs> books. Um, I ignore that advice completely. And <laughs> the day that I published Catalyst, I started on chapter one of Ignite. Now, where I would let myself jump around between chapters in Catalyst, you know, and do it at my pace, I wouldn't allow myself to touch book two with the chapter, even if I could see a scene that was in book two, I was not going to allow myself to touch that book until I was done with book one. Um, but that also meant that when I was done with book one, I was ready to write book two. So I hit the ground running with Ignite. Um, but with, you know, Flashpoint that I'm writing now, which is the third book, I took about two weeks off, um, and I was, I was like, telling myself I was going to take a month off. That didn't go very well, because after two weeks, I realized that the reason I was being moody and crabby and ornery with everyone else around me is that I wasn't writing. Um, I'm just a happier person when I'm writing. It, for me, I always said that I write for myself, but I publish for others. It really is that that release, that escapism, that creativity, that, you know, if I don't get the words of my characters, they are screaming in my head and it's driving me crazy and making me anxious. So I am a much happier, wonderful, sweet person to be around when I'm writing. So I, it's gotten to the point that sometimes if I'm in a mood, my husband will be like, when's the last time you wrote something? <laughs> you should, you should go write, you know, just for a little bit, see it out. It's, see how it's it cathartic. <laughs> Very cathartic, yes. He's, he's yes. tired of being beat. <laughs> <laughs> I swear he's not tied up in another room, yeah. Alan. He's fine. Please. Wink, wink. Hanging. Wink, wink. Hanging from a rope by his feet. Yeah, I've seen that movie before. Um, wow. So you're, but can you, when you write so much, can, this is um, interesting. Can you actually uh, schedule time and say, okay, well, I'm going to write between. 10 and 12 and like can you just do that can you say okay listen i'm freed this afternoon i can write and sit down and write or does the mood yep. have to be right nope i would say 100 percent um i can sit down and write um and like on the weekends i do a lot of my cleaning and laundering because i'm one of those ocd gotta clean my house every weekend kind of thing i treat my writing like a reward so i'll go do, you know, clean a whole room and, and do everything I need to do in that room. And then I'm like, okay, I get to go write for two hours. And like the minute I hit the chair, I know exactly what I'm writing. Because while I've been doing all those tasks, I've been imagining what I'm going to be writing. So it's, you know, I, I'm very grateful because I'm on a story that I'm really excited about and I'm excited for the next chapter. So maybe that has something to do with it that, you know, if your heart's really in it, then you're ready to. Um, and maybe if I wasn't as interested in the topic, it wouldn't be as interesting. Um, but no, I find it really easy to schedule the time. Um, and I also make that a habit too. So I don't care where I am every single day. I need to be writing for at least an hour. That's just me as a person. So even if I'm on vacation, I'll be on my phone and I'll be writing like in the car or, you know, when I'm laying in bed at night, like writing ideas down, writing a conversation that's taking place. So just because it keeps me in that zone, um, 
And when I actually am in front of my computer and I can sit down and I can read, you know, the previous chapter that I wrote the day before, I can go in and I can read that first and then immediately like know where I need to be going with the next one. Well, what kind of atmosphere do you, are you, do you have like Metallica music playing in the background real loud and like what, 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 what do you have a certain setting you have to be in? No, um, I like, it really depends on the mood because I sometimes like, uh, like electronic music, um, or classical music playing. Um, and sometimes I like complete silence. So it, it really just is on that mood. And I think it's about the complexity of the conversation that's taking place. So sometimes if I, I really need to focus on something, I like the silence, but sometimes if, you know, I need to kind of go with the flow, then getting into whatever mood that is. Um, and I have definitely written some action gunfight scenes to some Metallica music. So I don't want to downplay the Metallica. That definitely has, has happened for sure. Um, it, it really, it depends on the mood for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's good beating music, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so now, uh, how do you like, um, do you like your fans to get a hold of you? Do you like having interaction with people that read your books? Yes. That is the best part to me. Um, and I've been very fortunate that a lot of my fans, uh, have found and heard, from me on TikTok or Instagram or social media so they can reach out to me. Uh, and that's my favorite part. I love getting a text from a fan at one o'clock in the morning going, how could you, how could you do this? How could you do this? That to me is like, yes, I have succeeded in my goal as a writer to upset you enough that you want to reach out and yell at me. And I will sit here and take your yelling and then I'll be like, but you like it, right? It's good. Right? Mm. Well, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll get some of our fans to definitely uh, get a hold of you and tell you how much, you know, <laughs> you know I love that. Well, I don't want to take them, you know, away from your no, benefit. No, 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 no. They, 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 they love to hate me. So that's fine. But come on, they, they got to share that, share that love to hate. Um, how do people get a hold of you then? Do you have like a, uh, uh, website or how do you like people to send yes. stuff? Yep. So I, I do have a communication form on my website and that is um, N as in Nancy, her own words.com. Um, so not the word in, but just N and her own words.com. And I'm also on TikTok, Instagram and Facebook as well. Wow. Well, and Twitter. Well, of course. So I don't really understand Twitter as much. Well, so I'm working. Yeah. And, 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 and Twitter's <laughs> not, it, Twitter's more about, uh, Crabbing at each other. It's not really as you know, yeah. know. for me anyway. Yeah. I just see a lot of people nagging at each other. I don't, I don't see it a really good platform for uh, communicating a book. But that's how I see it. You know. Yeah, for you sure. Know. So, um, well, that's fantastic. So it's really, it's really interesting. It's been, uh, it's been a thrill talking to you and stuff. And um, and um, hopefully we get to do it again and that. So absolutely, uh, I'd love to come back. How was how was the pandemic for you? Like you know, because you must have been writing ignite or finishing it during the time of the pandemic. Did it sort of affect your writing at all, or you just plowed through, plowed right through that too? Honestly, it it kept me from like the panic of the unknown. Um, and maybe that's you know living in that world that you have control down to the inter even the interactions between people um, and the injustices that you want to see righted in the world. Um, it, it kind of just, again, gave me that, that happy place that I could escape to. So 
it was good. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely an overthinker. I think if you are a writer and you hear voices in your head all the time, you are a hundred percent an overthinker. So it, it was great to be able to control the conversation. <laughs> huh. Well, you know, I just wonder do, do, for you, does it affect the way you write when you've got stressful things going on around outside of you? Like, you know, for instance, the pandemic and all of the stuff in the last couple of years, does it sort of, or do you just totally uh, ignore it and avoid all of the stressful things? Oh, no. I, I'd say that, you know, there's definitely some some sad chapters in my books as well that, that deal with loss um, on a whole myriad of topics. But that pandemic is something that I think it would be you'd be hard pressed to not have it affect you in some way. You know, whether you lost someone or, you know, someone that lost someone or you yourself had it. Um it's just it's one of those things that kind of permeated everything we do. Um, and I think it, it did kind of create that desire in myself to be like, OK, well, you know, if tomorrow was my last day, did I use it accordingly? Was I nice to the people around me um, and what did I leave behind? So I think that definitely affected it. Um, and again, like those sadder chapters, 100 percent. So there's there's definitely some it, it, it's, it would be impossible for it to have not permeated my writing in some way uh, so you you um are with creatives creative edge so you are a uh, person of mickey yes oh ah. so so tell us what's he really like <laughs> i really i love mickey i liked him from the beginning um I told him that he sent me a text that said the word Coolio in it. And I was like, we're bonded for life now. Like we're, we're down. Um, no, he's just a really genuine person. Uh, and I think that you, you get that vibe from him right off the bat. So he and I, we, we were on the same wavelength pretty fast. Hmm. Um, and I was like, look, I'm not a shy person, so you can throw anything at me and I'll do my best. But no, he's, he's very, dedicated to what he does um and i think he really delivers on what promises he makes and and he is always there to just kind of have that you're a good writer it's gonna be okay <laughs> well, it's, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty very genuine person in and out yeah yeah you know i just wonder because now it seemed to me like um if i'm right so you didn't go through a publisher did you no no, I, I published myself. So that's a, that's an interesting take. So you, you're in this world of self-publishing, and then now you've got a publicist, so to speak. Um, yep. How did you find that? Like, so someone's sitting right now, listening, and they've um, written stuff just for themselves, you know, on in their word document and stuff like that. They've never published before. What can you tell them? What kind of advice would you give them? Like, what would you tell them to do? Um, well, I was very fortunate. Um, Mickey and I kind of connected over TikTok. Uh, someone had recommended him to me. Um, and so we, we connected that way, but I would say advice for a writer looking to get out there. Um, you can't do it all yourself and you need someone who understands the different medias, the different platforms. Um, just having that that person in your corner, having a Mickey is fantastic. Um, and so finish your book 
edit your book <laughs> um, and, you know, then reach out and find that other resource because there's so many things as a writer that you are asked to do yourself. I mean, I had no idea that when I started writing, it wasn't going to just be writing. It was going to be writing and then editing and then watching people read my stuff, review my stuff, knowing that they could not like my stuff. Um, and then also self-marketing and, you know, managing yourself and creating that brand and that there's so many other things that aren't writing and you need someone else to do those things. Because as much as you want to do it all yourself, you are only one person. So having a resource and someone who is as educated as Mickey is, is fantastic to have that in your corner. So I would say that, you know, do your research and, you know, figure out what platforms and who your audience is and then, um, kind of see who's educated in the things that you're not educated in. So expand your footprint in that sense, do, if that makes sense. Yeah, do you do that book talk thing or whatever? Yep. What, yeah, what is, that's actually – What is that? I'm, I'm astonished. The success that Catalyst and Ignite has had is, has been because of book talk because when I first wrote Catalyst, I was one of those older millennials that had a private Facebook account, and that was it. And so I had 300 people that I was able to tell about Catalyst when I first released it. Um, and I had just a few followers on TikTok. And then over the last four months, that's grown to thousands. So it's been fantastic. And that's been completely through the readership of the Book Talk community. And there's just the amazing friendships and connections that have come out of that as well. Well, I'm an old man, so what <laughs> is book talk? Like, what? I mean, I know what TikTok is. You go on there and you dance for a minute. And, and then, but uh, basically, um, I would say TikTok is short. It's just it's like a short platform where you know what we use book talk for is I could get on and I could say, hey, I read this book. This is a quick synopsis of this book without giving spoilers. Um, this was my feedback, my review, you know, in a live video format. And, um, you know, that affects other people who might be interested in the same things. So book talk is definitely influential um, on the, you know, the younger generations and um, hmm. making it can make a break a book for sure. Hmm. So well, is it a separate program or is it the same one? Nope, same program. It's just the content. So TikTok allows you to pick what kind of content you want. So let's say you are an equestrian, you know, you love horses. You The, the videos that you like that have horses in them will put more videos that have horses in front of them. So book talk is what we affectionately refer to as, you know, most of the videos, if not all of the videos that are coming up um, on our platform and what we're seeing from people, these one to three minute long videos are all about books. Um, huh. And, you know, you can even like on further uh, genres from there. So if you like mafia romance, you could click on that. But if you like dark mafia romance or if you like mafia thrillers and, you know, the more things you like in those categories, that kind of curates the page that you see videos on. Wow. See, Dave, we can get on book talk. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Dance, dance for a minute to three minutes and... <laughs> I would be so excited to see that. Just knowing you guys last hour, I am I'm down. If you get on Book Talk, I want you to follow me because I would love to watch your dance. Well, it's, uh, I'd love to too. <laughs> I I don't know if I can get out of my chair, but um, yeah, that's exciting. That's you know we learn something new every day. This is amazing. Yeah, so absolutely. 
Well, you know, it's been a great conversation. You know, the um, book, I guess, that we're really talking about is Ignite, and it's the Heart of Inferno book two, which came out in September. You see, see, uh, Nikki, you got to tell him he didn't, he didn't, he get, sent me a picture of Catalyst. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> Catalyst is, it, you have to read Catalyst to, I mean, you don't have to, but you really should yeah. um, to really get the start of the series. But yeah. And, and we've learned a lot, you know, and, um, you must do makeup for your husband to cover up all the bruises and stuff, too. I don't know. It's a good, it's a good thing, you know. I feel like he's getting painted in a bad light, but he's, he's no. definitely a wonderful man, and I wouldn't I wouldn't lay hands on him. I'm sure, so. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he does all the, all the right things. Well, anyway, our guest today has been Nicole Fanning. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Nicole. It's a pleasure to come back. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Wave Media. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.